we know that you will love this podcast. So shut your mouth and listen to Canadian Bushcraft. Hello, Dragonfly Nation. This is the Canadian Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Caleb Musgrave. And we're going to go a little bit deeper into a previous episode's topic, and that was shelter. In the previous episode, we talked more about the science of shelter, dealing with heat stroke or heat loss, and how we can prevent those things. And I even talked about an emergency shelter you can construct in as little as 15 minutes in the right conditions. But in this episode, I want to get more into what we can take with us camping. Seeing as we're getting into the summertime, we're in mid-spring right now during this recording, I figured, you know what, a lot of people are going to be getting more outside. They're going to go out camping in Killarney, Algonquin Park, Tomogamy, who knows where. Banff, whoever, wherever it may be. And so I want to make sure that we can explain what options you have for sleeping outside. And there's a lot of options. There's a, there's a ton of options. And I'm not going to get into any specific name brand. I'm not going to get into any specific make or model and tell you exactly what you must buy. That's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is mostly about skills, not gear. But gear can help us when we're in the woods. Instead of me having to depend on building a lean-to every night, and that means I have to have make sure that I have short distances to travel, I can actually carry things on my back so that I can enjoy my journey, enjoy my trip, enjoy the environment around me more, because I know that when I get to camp, I have somewhere to sleep that's not going to take a lot of work. Now, we're not going to get into hot tents this episode. We're saving that for a winter camping episode coming out this fall, but we do want to talk about camp camp shelters for the summertime. So there's pretty much three main ways we can go into that. There's three main categories we can dive into, and there's basically tarp camping, tent camping, hammock camping, which kind of goes with tarp camping, but I digress. But before we get into that, let's really explain the understanding of a simple way to remember what you need to bring with you for a shelter in the woods. And that's simple three things. All right, you need something to sleep under, something to sleep on, and something to sleep in. Something to sleep under, if you want to imagine home. If you're at home, what do you need to have a good night's sleep? You need a roof over your head, so that's something to sleep under, right? A roof. Something to sleep on, that would be your bed. You need something to insulate you from the cold, wet ground and the, the discomforts that, that come with being on the ground. Because in nature, there is nothing perfectly level and smooth. Okay, I've been in almost every environment you can think of in North America. I have not found a perfectly smooth surface anywhere. And even if it is, it's usually quite hard and rigid and not so great on your back. Okay, so something to sleep on, something like a sleeping pad or other objects or other options. And then finally, something to sleep in, your blankets at home, your quilt, your comforter, your afghan. That's something to sleep in. And in the woods, that can be something as simple as a wool blanket from the army surplus store or something as extravagant as a big, beautiful, very expensive, but ultra light down sleeping bag. All right. So something to sleep under, something to sleep on and something to sleep in. As long as you can remember those three things, you can't go wrong. So now that we've kind of explained the three major things we've got to remember for shelter, let's get into the three options that are really out there. Okay, they are tarps, tents, and hammocks. 
So let's get into the tarp first, because the tarp is one of the more ultralight options and one that a lot of people consider when they go into survival training, if they take survival courses or bushcraft courses like they take with us here at Canadian Bushcraft. Um, let's talk about that one first, because it's a very simple one. And that's kind of the beauty of the tarp. It's a very simple shelter. It is just that, a tarp. It could be a sill nylon or sil- uh, silicone impregnated nylon, or it could be a Dacron ultralight, very ultralight tarp. Or it could be something like a heavy-duty tarp from the army, uh, from the army surplus store, or from a hardware store. But regardless of what kind of tarp it is, the beauty of them is they can be configured in so many different ways, and that's beneficial to us. Uh, I can think back on multiple occasions where I needed to have a shelter that's going to fit in the specific scenario that I was in. So let's think about oh. A simple middle woodland or, uh, you know, uh, eastern woodlands kind of camping experience. We're going to have a lot of hardwoods and maybe some conifers around us, a mixed hardwood forest. And we're going to have some, you know, decent leaf litter. And we're going to have, you know, decent space between the trees because it's not too overgrown in the understory. And because of that, we have the option to be able to just simply stretch out a lean-to between two trees by tying off two corners of the tarp and then pegging down or staking down the other two corners. And that's a very simple shelter. But let's say weather starts to come in. Well, I can undo the two corners attached to the trees and make it more of an A-frame shelter by strapping or or stringing out the middle of the tarp and stretching out the the four corners to the ground, making a nice A-frame tent style shelter, like a pup tent. And those are great options for de- for downpours of rain. And also the benefit of a tarp that like that is I can help catch rain with my cook pots and my water bottles around the hem of that tarp as the water drips down to the guy lines or to the stakes. So we have that option. But let's think about another option. Let's think about humidity. One of my biggest complaints about tents and one of the main reasons I don't usually t- camp in a tent in warm weather is humidity levels. I am a large, hairy northern boy. I do not like humidity. It's not a friend to me. And so for me, having high humidity in the summertime, I don't want a cramped-in tent that doesn't have any airflow. Ventilation is a big deal to me. I'm, I've got asthma, I'm heavy set, and again, I'm hairy, and it's going to be hot out. This is, it's like trying to make a woolly mammoth survive in the rainforest. It's just not going to be a good day for me. And so what I like about tarps is if it's got high humidity or it's getting a little too hot, I can elevate that tarp a little higher so that I'm only just protecting myself from the sun and any potential uh, downpours or rain or snow even in the, in the, in the fall and early spring, but preventing precipitation from landing on me all the while wind can get underneath that tarp and keep me cool and keep me dry. That's something I really enjoy about tarps that you just can't get out of a tent. It's it's able to be configured how I need it. Now add the fact that a tarp, nine times out of ten, is going to be lighter than any tent you can find on the market. Hey, here we go. Now we're getting to the ultralight. I have a lot less weight on my back, which means I can enjoy my trip. Now, there are some downsides to tarp camping. I've been tarp camping since I was 15, so 17 years now sleeping under tarps. And I can tell you... There are some detriments. There are some there are some problems with it. There's some cons. The major one for me is you're completely exposed to the bugs. Uh, I live in 
one of the wetter parts of Canada, and that is central Ontario, surrounded by the Great Lakes and the Kawartha Lakes and a bunch of rivers and marshes. And that's really the main issues, the marshes and the wetlands in general, the swamps. Those areas are teeming, teeming with mosquitoes. And they're warming up right now. As I speak to you, we're dealing with a cold snap, which is kind of keeping them uh, suppressed. But just two weeks ago, I had a mosquito bite on the back of my neck. So the mosquitoes are on their way and they are going to be prevalent this summer. I guarantee you they're going to be prevalent this summer. And so I've got to deal with that. Now, one benefit is I can carry along a bug net and I can hang that from the center of my tarp if it's got those little ribbons or loops hanging up there. And if not, if I have a ridge line or I can set up a ridge line, hang my bug net from that. That is one option. The other downside to a tarp, though, is privacy. And there's a lot of layers to that. Privacy comes down to what your preferences are and what your neighbor's preferences are. Um, I can tell you from experience camping with a lot of ladies, they don't really enjoy getting changed around a tarp shelter because where do you get changed? You're completely exposed. A tent offers privacy. Really, that's the main winning selling point on a tent for most people is it offers privacy. So you're exposed, you're, you have less privacy in a, in a tarp shelter of whatever configuration you go for, you're going to have a little less privacy. So if you got to get changed or you want to get dressed or you want to, you know, check for tick bites, you're going to be doing that in front of everyone. Now, personally, I don't really care. If anybody wants to look that way, that's, that's their problem. That is not my problem. I'm, I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed, but I understand those that might be. I can also tell you from experiences of living on trap line camps in general, most people learn within the first day or so to just give up on privacy and everyone else respects your personal little space when you got to get changed. If I have to change out of soaking wet long johns and a pair of boxers, everybody else is not looking my way. And I make sure that I make it clear to them, hey, I'm getting changed over here. Now, you do some winter camping, privacy is pretty much out the window. It's gone. So as someone that's used to camping in groups of people and camping in cramped or close uh, quarters, I'm not afraid to get changed in, in a tarp shelter. I'm not ch afraid to check for ticks in a tarp shelter. But I get why a lot of people are. It's totally understandable. No judgment towards those. So the other, another benefit to tarp shelters though, to me is exactly that same thing, but vice versa. I'm fully exposed to the bugs and to everybody's eyes, but the environment around me is completely exposed to my eyes as well. I get to wake up under a tarp and see that morning vista of a lake or a cliff or whatever is out beyond me. I can see everything around me. In the nighttime, if I hear you know, a crack of a branch or something, I can turn my headlamp on and look over there and sure enough, it's a coyote or a, a fox or just a little grouse or even a field mouse just, you know, doing their thing. Whereas in a tent, I have a wall between me and that noise and the wall makes me feel safe, but then I realize it's just nylon and then I start wondering what made that noise and I start picturing, you know, Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers or Lord knows what else my imagination can create that's on the other side of that tent wall. So to me, I enjoy being able to have a full view around me. It, it makes me feel a lot better. But the privacy thing is a concern for some. So the pros to a, uh, to a tarp shelter, full view of everything. 
You can control humidity. You can also control the weather a little bit better, or configure it to deal with the weather a lot better and other environmental impacts and effects. But the downside is you don't have any privacy really. And if you didn't bring a bug net, you are now a buffet. Tents, on the other hand, are a little bit more uh, self-contained. And that's kind of what the beauty of a tent is, is they can be set up in almost any environment that I've ever imagined. There's places in the world that you can't set up a hammock and you can't set up a tarp very easily. Places like the high Arctic, open deserts, open fields, uh, big beaches, places like that that you might want to camp out on, but you can't do it because there's no props. There's nothing like trees or rocks or big boulders that you can use to help set up your tarp or hang your hammock. So a tent is a little bit more, you know, self-contained and a little bit more uh, independent. And we're talking about like the classic dome tents and cylindrical tents, uh, and even those lavu tents that some people are getting into now. The lavu tents being like teepee-shaped uh, tents. But I digress. Those things are a little bit more independent of their environment, so you can set them up in a lot more places than you wouldn't necessarily be able to do with a tarp or a hammock. They can also be made a lot more compact than some hammock rigs. Uh, there's kind of a differing of opinion on that. Personally, I don't think that my hammock, uh, my hammock rig when I go camping is much bulkier or heavier than any tent I've ever seen. But there are some ultralight backpackers that swear that their tents are lighter and they pack down smaller. Okay, I can't argue that. If that is truly what you believe by your numbers, okay, I, I'll, I'll give you that. For me, the problems with tents come up with condensation and humidity and just being in a cramped environment. You, you can't stretch out. You can't stand up. With a tarp shelter, I could rig it so high that I can stand in my shelter. I can stand up, stretch. I could bring a camp chair in there. I could sit. I can have it set up so I can enjoy the fire. All these kinds of beautiful things, but I can't do those things with a tent. A tent, I'm pretty much in the tent if it's a downpour and I'm sitting or laying down. And that's it, which is not bad, but after, you know, two or three days of heavy rainfall that you're trying to stay out of, man, it gets, it gets so frustrating. It gets so annoying, but also humidity and condensation. We're coming back to that. Uh, a couple, a couple falls back. I went moose hunting with a couple of friends. Originally it was just me and the one friend. And then another friend joined us a little later in this, in the week. And for the first four or five days of the hunting trip, we were just sleeping under two tarps that were set up to look kind of like a forester's tent, uh, which is a A-frame, basically a tripod with one long leg, your classic A-frame debris hut kind of thing. But instead of covered with debris and branches and forest litter, we stretch out tarps. And that was great. We could, it was cold in there. Don't get me wrong. It was getting down to minus eight on one night, but we were dry. We had a little bit of condensation here and there, but not a huge amount, just because of how it was configured. Then one night, uh, when our buddy showed up, our third friend, he for, you know, three people. And we said, you know what? We want to be warm tonight. We all have sleeping bags. We all have sleeping pads. You've got the tent. Do you mind if we crash in the tent with you and we'll just put our, it's supposed to rain really hard tonight. We'll put our tarps over your tent and peg them out and stake them out in a way that allow, you know, ventilation, but also to keep the moisture off. And he was like, oh, heck yeah, come on in. And the entire night after, you know, one or two in the morning, it was cramped. 
tents, a three-person tent with three people and their gear, mm-mm, it's not going to work out too well. Add to that mix the problem that is condensation. We're breathing and we're sweating. And that's going to leave our bodies and drift up and then condense on the tent walls and start dripping back down. And the one more, the morning, the next morning after being in that tent, I think everybody felt like they had just been in a bathtub all night. Our skin was wrinkly and pruney. Uh, our clothes were soaked. Our sleeping bags were soaked. And that was just from breathing and perspiring. That's it. Just breathing and sweating. That's it. There was no water bottle leak. There was nothing like that in that tent. We were just soaking, sopping wet simply on the merit of how a tent works. And yes, the tarps above the tent could have cut back on ventilation. So the next night we tried it again. And guess what? Almost the same amount of condensation. So I've been in countless styles of tents. We have a massive, huge 12 by 20 hot tent that we take winter camping and on the moose hunt and on deer hunts. Uh, It's our main base camp tent, really. And I love it to death but it needs a massive wood stove in it to dry out the condensation. You cannot make a tent that is perfect on ventilation without making it a cold tent to sleep in. Okay. So keep that in mind. Tents will build up condensation. And just cause it says three person tent, that means three people with just them, not all their camping gear, just them. So you got to have another space to keep your gear in. Some tents have vestibules that allow you to store your gear. That's awesome but not all of them have that. So be mindful. The final category we can really kind of dive into is hammocks and hammocks are part of the tarp camping with tents and sleeping on the ground in general is uh, whether that's under a tarp or inside of a tent is you kind of have to figure out a level spot, something that's level enough that you're not going to, you know, all roll downhill on top of each other. Uh, and that you're not going to be slipping and sliding off of your sleeping pad. And also you want to make sure there's not going to be a bunch of, you know, rocks and roots and lumps in the ground and an anthill. Um, on one occasion on a winter, like late, late fall, early winter survival expedition we did once. Uh, we got the shelter so warm in there with three people that we, but we didn't insulate the floor well enough that we actually warmed the ground below us enough that we woke up, uh, ground hornets, whether they were yellow jackets or what they were, I don't know, but we started seeing these yellow and black striped bugs, these, these hornets slowly groggily climbing out of the spruce boughs and fir boughs below us and start trying to fly around our faces as the night progressed about four or five in the morning, we started feeling these things crawling on us, turning on our headlamps and seeing these, I think they were yellow jackets. Um, some sort of a ground nest, uh, ground nesting hornet. And that's, <laughs> that's disconcerting. Now you're probably not gonna have to deal with that with a tent that's got a floor, but sleeping on the ground, you are going to have to deal, you're going to have to contend with everything from ants and termites. And if you're in certain areas, scorpions and snakes and all that stuff. And honestly, a hammock does away with 90% of those problems. As long as I can find two objects, it can be trees, it could be rocks or like boulders, it could be a cliffside in a tree, it could be a tree and my truck's uh, railing on top of it, whatever you want to think of, whatever you think, 
uh, whatever you can imagine, I can hang my hammock. As long as I've got enough distance between the two, uh, depending on which make or model of hammock you have, that could be anything from 10 feet to 15 feet. Um, and I even bring the occasional extra strap for my hammock so I can extend it if I have to. Uh, if I if I find nothing but really far spaced trees, I can make that work, right? So hammocks can be set up practically anywhere that there's two posts of some sort, two braces we can attach the straps to. Uh, it can be very compact. I still argue. I I understand for some ultra backpackers that hammock systems with everything that have to come with them, which we'll get into in a minute. They, they aren't, they're, they're bulky, but I don't think so. I personally do not believe they are. My system, when I pack it all down in its stuff sacks, is no bigger than a sleeping bag, sleeping pad, and tent. No way is it any bigger. Could it be heavier? Potentially. But I haven't seen it yet. Uh, and again, no need for even ground. I can set up practically anywhere. I had uh, one experience I got to set up across uh, multiple times now I've, I've done it. I've, I've actually strung my hammock out across a creek. So one tree on one bank and another tree on the other bank of the creek. Uh, and I literally just slept in this hammock six, seven inches above the water all night. And I could hear the water rushing below me. I, uh, the one morning I woke up and I had a couple of ducks swimming underneath one of the straps of my hammock. Uh, I actually, one morning, uh, one, one day, not even the morning it was midday. I went back to my hammock in the creek and I used a, I had a canoe with me on the trip. And I just, you know, attached my canoe to the hammock and crawled back into the hammock. Don't lose my canoe that way. And I noticed that there's, you know, trout in the creek. So I started fishing with my hand reel and I caught some trout for lunch. It was from, from my bed. That's phenomenal in my eyes. I think that's a great experience. The downsides for hammocks is mostly exposure to the elements. And it goes back to the tarp scenario. Uh, if I'm in a, if I'm in a hammock and I don't have a bug net, I can tell you that it's a living nightmare. You are a rotisserie chicken. You are, you are shawarma to these, to these mosquitoes and black flies and no and Lord knows what other kind of biting insects there are out there that fly. They're going all around you. They can, they can bite under you. They can bite right through the hammock fabric, right into your leg. They can bite into your butt cheek. They can bite into your back. They can bite your face. And there's no, there's no escaping them. There really is no escaping them without a proper bug net. So you need a bug net with a hammock. You just need it flat out. You need it. Um, the, the problem, the main problem with hammocks and when I'm talking about exposure is actual hypothermia. Uh, or heat loss. And the specific category is the fact that, or the spe- specific reason is because any sleeping bag you take into that hammock with you, some people will be like, I'll just take the hammock, a tarp, and my sleeping bag. I don't need a sleeping pad. I don't need anything like that. I'm going to be great. And they go in, and I'll tell you this from experience because I did it for years. I've been hammock camping since I was uh, 13. So, Wow. Nearly 20 years, nearly 20 years hammock camping. And in that time, the first 10 or 11 were miserable because I would just get into my hammock with my sleeping bag and freeze half the night. And I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out until one day I was, I was uh, fall camping with a buddy of mine who came in from Australia because he had never been to Canada before and he wanted to experience the Canadian wilderness. And I asked him because he was sleeping in a hammock and it was like, Late November, early December. I think he flew out on December 3rd. So yeah, he flew back home on December 3rd. So it was like late November into early December. 
And during that, he stayed in a hammock the whole time. And I was like, how is he doing that? I'm sleeping on the ground with a sleeping pad and a big army, uh, army blanket. And I was warm, I was fine, but I was I was dumbfounded that he was warm in his hammock. And so I confronted him about it and he explained, when you go into a hammock with a sleeping bag or any blanket or anything you're wearing, it gets compressed under your body, right? And this is this is natural this is natural basics of camp of camping and bushcraft and survival. Anything you stand or lay upon gets compressed because of your weight and gravity. Simple as that. So, sleeping bags are made of very light, fluffy stuff, whether it's synthetic or it's down. It's going to be very, very fluffy stuff, which can get packed down very, 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 very tightly, right? That's one of the beauties of a sleeping bag is you can pack it very tight. Problem with that in a hammock is now there's nothing insulating you from the the bottom side, and you are completely exposed to convection. We talked about convection in episode 7 in Sheltercraft, in the Shelter episode. So, let's talk about that again. As you lay in this hammock, and you hang in your hammock, the wind comes through, it hits the tarp, it hits the hammock, and as it goes by, it hits your uninsulated bottom half. Your back, your glutes, your legs, your back, your neck, and you're completely exposed. And the heat is drained from you rapidly. Uh, I've had it happen in the heat of July. It was nice and hot all day. Uh, I was a guide up in Algonquin Park, and we were swimming with the kids after a nice day of canoeing, and we were back at our camp, in our little campsite, and it's, you know, you know, it's those, those, those late, you know, late June, early July summer nights where it's, it's still pretty cool out. There's no mosquitoes, and we're right out on this beautiful little peninsula, this little point coming off the shore in Algonquin Park. And the other two or three guys that were with me, they're like, oh, we're going to all sleep in this tent. It's like, don't worry, guys, I got my hammock and tarp. And I climbed in, and within two hours, I was freezing. I woke up just shaking like a leaf. I couldn't stay in there. I couldn't stay in there. And so I ended up sitting by a fire that had no firewood really left, and I was just finding pine cones, twigs, anything I could to keep that the last few embers burning, just to keep my hands and my chest warm. And it was miserable. I didn't sleep a wink the whole night. After those first two hours of trying to sleep, I just gave up and stayed up all night just to stay alive. <laughs> and later I found out that, hey, yeah, from my buddy from Australia, I was a knucklehead. You could, you could put padding underneath you. That's not going to get compressed. And that could be a closed cell foam pad. It could be a Thermarest style inflatable mattress. Or what I do is I carry an underquilt. What's an underquilt, you say? An underquilt is a sleeping bag that goes on the outside of the hammock. See, the problem with the sleeping bag on the inside of the hammock is it gets compressed. But with it on the outside of the hammock, it doesn't get compressed. It stays lofty. And therefore, it remains insulative. And therefore, you remain warm. Add a little top quilt or a wool blanket or what have you, and you're sitting pretty. And so my hammock system, it's now, you know, a good-sized system. It's not small anymore. I have to carry a tarp, a hammock, a bug net, and an underquilt to be able to stay warm, plus a blanket or a top quilt, which is another type of quilt that's custom-made to fit a hammock on the inside that you snuggle down inside of. 
kind of like a sleeping bag, but not completely because there's no need for the zipper because you're just tucking yourself in. So that's a lot of options. That's a lot of objects or a lot of gear that has to come with me just to get the something to sleep on, something to sleep in, and something to sleep under categories. Now, that's a lot of information in the last 30 minutes, right? You want me to dive a little deeper? Okay, let's dive a little deeper. So, when we're looking at our options for something to sleep on, something to sleep in, and something to sleep under, we've broken down, you know, tarps, tents, and hammocks. They all have their benefits. They all have their detriments. Not one of them is perfect. You can make one perfect for you, though. Personally, if it's warm weather from basically May until mid to late October, I am in a hammock, period. I don't have, I actually do not possess a warm weather backpacking tent. I don't. I've not found a need for it in Ontario. I understand those that do carry them, not going to discredit them, not going to judge them, nothing like that. Personally, I can't sleep on the ground anymore. I've got back injuries dating back to 2013 uh, when I pulled my back doing something really stupid. Actually, the, the injuries stem back to 2009 when I flipped off an ATV in an accident. Uh, younger and dumber, that's all I'm going to say. But they really got uh, exacerbated in 2013, 2013, when I uh, pulled my back trying to push a car out of a, out of a drift, out of a snow drift. And then that summer, when I was working in the summer of 2014, I fell down the side of a small mountain in Wyoming. I went down 750 feet down the side of a mountainside. Side of a mountainside. Down a mountainside. And tore up and damaged and crushed a lot of stuff in my back. Um, And the doctors haven't really done anything for it because it's going to cause more harm than good in their eyes. So for me, sleeping on the ground, very painful very very painful after a while I can sleep on spruce boughs yeah I could do that I've got sleeping pads I've done that but for the most part since 2013 2014 I almost exclusively stay in a hammock during the warmer weather going into winter I switch over to a hot tent with a cot because I'm that guy now I'm, I'm pretty much the closest you'll get to car camping in the realm of survival training but with everything we've got hammocks Tents have their benefits and detriments. Tarp shelters have their uh, detriments and benefits. In general, for most of this stuff, we're going to still need something to sleep on and something to sleep in, right? With a hammock, we can have an underquilt or a sleeping pad. In a tent or a tarp, we need a sleeping pad of some sort. Okay, well, let's get into that. We have two major categories. We have closed cell foam. There's also open cell foam, which are like the really soft, squishy big foamy mattresses that people probably had at their summer camps as a kid or at a cottage. Uh, Not what I recommend for camping. Closed cell foam is nice and light and durable. It's very durable stuff. Yes, it's not as comfy and squishy as what some people may prefer, but it's going to last and it's very light and it packs down small. The other option is inflatable mattresses. Brands like Thermarest and all those other ones you might want to go by. You can get the big big mattresses that practically fill up the entire tent or you can get a small slim ultralight sleeping pad that fits just you and your footprint of your body Uh, and those are great options as well i personally do not like inflatable sleeping pads i find them less durable and you know what i've I've tested out a lot of different brands i'm not gonna knock any one of them 
uh, in particular because they're all very well made. They're all very good. But I've punctured a hole in every single one of them, and it always seems to show up at the worst possible time. And that's, you know, four or five in the morning when you realize you're cold on your back or your elbow hurts or your shoulder's a little stiff. And you wake up and move around, you realize the sleeping pad is completely deflated. (sighs) I, I can't stand that feeling because now I have to fiddle around with it and repair it or give up and just try to sleep the night on cold ground. Not pleasant. On the other hand, closed cell foam does not deflate. It doesn't It doesn't get any tougher than a closed cell foam pad for sleeping on. But it's a little bulkier. It is a little heavier. Just, just let's, let's accept that. Personally, I would rather carry the extra bulk or extra weight of a closed cell foam sleeping pad than ever, ever deal with a deflated air mattress again, personally. I, I'm sure I'm sure there's people out there that have differing arguments or differing opinions on that. I've not found them yet. I've not found a single person that can justify to me why a inflatable sleeping pad is better than a closed cell foam sleeping pad. I've not found it outside of the whole weight thing. So ultralight backpackers, yeah, closed cell foam may be a little too bulky for you. But even in the ultralight backpacking world, you look at people like Ray Jardine, who pretty much pioneered the modern interpretation of what is ultralight backpacking. He carried closed cell foam sleeping pads. Not just closed cell foam sleeping pads, but once he modified and con- and like conglomerated into these different designs so there's even more pad up at your shoulders and less at your feet. So you're carrying exactly the weight you need and the girth and the, the bulk you need where you need it. So that's really cool to think about. Sleeping pads that way. Can we get into spruce bow beds and stuff? Sure, but let's keep this strictly to things we carry on our backs, okay? Uh, the other options we have is putting a wool blanket underneath you. It works. It's not as comfortable. It's not as, you know, soft as closed cell foam or an air, uh, an inflatable mattress or inflatable pad, but it does work. And I've done it on many occasions. Uh, I was at the Heartwood Gathering. The very first year I went to Heartwood Gathering, which I believe was 2017, I believe it was the first year I went to the Heartwood Gathering, uh, which is a very cool botanical gathering where people come together to talk about botany, talk about plants and trees and our relationships with all of them, with fungi and herbs and all that stuff. And I was there to talk about the Anishinaabek life ways surrounding trees and plants. And I was going to ha- camp in a hammock and my buddy dropped me off with all my gear and then he drove away. And about, you know, an hour before I was going to go to bed, I realized he didn't, he told me he'd pa- he pulled everything out of the, out of the van. And later I realized he left my sleeping pad, uh, not my sleeping pad, my sleeping bag, my hammock and my bug net in the, uh, van. <laughs> so I was there with a heavy duty Hudson Bay wool blanket, which I just brought to be like a tablecloth for my display stuff for my lecture the next day. And I've been chatting with all these people around the fires. I realized I'm like, well, I guess it's time for me to go to bed. And uh, there was supposed to be some rain that night. Never actually showed up. I think there was a little bit of a light drizzle sometime in the night, but it never really rained like it was supposed to. And so they look over and they see me just wrap myself up like a burrito in this wool blanket and just lay down on the floor on the ground under the eaves trough of this big old uh, log cabin. And I could hear them whispering to each other, that guy just go over there and just start sleeping on the ground? 
Is he going to get cold? And I was like wrapped twice in this wool blanket. So there's no way I was going to get cold from the ground or from around me. I just had my cowboy hat on, my head. I just it literally looked like I just kind of stepped back in time into the 1800s, uh, late 1860s kind of thing. And people were just looking over like, wow, that guy's kind of hardcore. And the next morning I wake up and people are like over at their tents getting up and stretching and making some coffee or going in for breakfast at the dining house or dining room. And every single one of them looked at me as I got up and I just stretched my back, cracked my neck, put my hat back on, folded up the blanket, threw it back in with my other gear that was leaning up against that sh- uh, that cabin. And I just walked in for breakfast. And they were like all kind of looking at me with a little bit of confusion, concern, maybe a little bit of awe. I have no idea. But they were, it, it's one of my more favorite stories to talk about from that experience was just simply wrapping up in a blanket and sleeping under the roof of a, sh- of a, of a cabin. Or a shed or a shack, whatever it may. I think it was a cabin. It was a log cabin structure. I know that. Well, I think they used it for their sugaring demos at the Ganaraska Forest Center. But anyways, I slept on gravel that night. And I slept fine. I slept like a baby. So, wool blankets can work as padding. But most of the time, I recommend carrying an actual sleeping pad of some sort. I prefer closed cell foam. You may prefer inflatable mattresses or inflatable pads. That's your prerogative. That's your experience. Your mileage will vary. So, now that we've talked about something to sleep on, what about something to sleep in? Some people really, really, really love sleeping bags. And some people really, really, really hate them. I'm kind of impartial. I don't really have an opinion on whether you should carry a sleeping bag or a wool blanket or what have you. Um, for summer camping and warm weather camping, a wool blanket can be a little stuffy. It can be a little uncomfortable, but sleeping bags can be kind of bulky and they can be kind of a burden to take care of and all that stuff. And it breaks down to whether they're synthetic or down and all that kind of stuff. Personally, if I'm going to take a sleeping bag for wintertime or cold weather, it's going to be down every time, hands down, no pun intended, but it's going to be down every time summertime though i'm dealing with rain i'm dealing with sweat i'm dealing with muddy uh, clothes i may may or may not have taken off that day uh and lord knows what else can happen so a down sleeping bag is going to lose its insulative value in that situation and yeah they pack down tighter than a synthetic bag but they can be quite warm and that means i'm gonna have to carry you know sleeping bag liners to keep it clean and dry from my sweat and my breath and Lord knows what else comes off my body in liquid form. Sounds like I pee the bed all the time, but I don't, I don't. But you know what I mean. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get wet in there or dirty in there one way or another. So get a sleeping bag liner, which can be made. Honestly, you can make one from just a bed sheet. Take a bed sheet, fold it in half lengthwise or uh, widthwise so that it becomes the size of your sleeping bag. Sew the bottom, uh, the bottom half. So it's going to be like a sleeping bag foot box. And then you sew up the one side uh, about two-thirds of the way up so that you still have a flap that you can get in and out of and get into the zipper and all that stuff. And then there you go. That's a sleeping bag liner. It can be fast and simple. Uh, I had my way back when I was 17 or 18, I had my mother sew me three or four of them out of like, uh, we went to a thrift store and found just a bunch of sleeping bags, not sleeping bags, (laughs) Uh, bed sheets, just the flat bed sheets that had pretty much the same color. They didn't, they didn't mix or match too badly. And I had her sew the bottom and sew up the side to uh, about 
two-thirds up. And bam, I had sleeping bag liners that lasted me until about three years ago. I just gave up on using them because I don't really use sleeping bags too much. Uh, in the hammock in the summertime, I just wear my clothes to bed. I wear my warm, like I, I always have a wool plaid wool jacket with me, like a shirt jack that I carry with me even in the summertime because it can be quite cold in the mornings. I'll just put that on and I put my pants on. I put a clean pair of socks on. I go to bed. And so in, a, in the summertime, that's all I really need in the hammock. I don't really need a sleeping bag. I don't really need a wool blanket. But if you're on the ground, I get needing a sleeping bag. Um, one way to kind of cut down on weight with a sleeping bag is to look at the Ray Jardine way or the Rayway sleeping quilt systems, which is basically a sleeping bag that you remove the zipper from. And you don't need a mummy. You can have a mummy sleeping bag or a rectangular sleeping bag. There's different arguments for both. I don't really, again, have a preference. I have never found the hood of a mummy sleeping bag that effective though i will say right now that if you're in minus 45 or minus 50 that hood can save your life it can keep you very warm but in summertime i've never really seen a reason for it i don't really need the hood uh, in the summertime personally so sleeping bags versus uh, wool blankets eh. Your choice. It's really your choice. Neither one of them is bad. The benefit of a, of a wool blanket in any conditions is how durable it is. A wool blanket can be used when you're sleeping by an open fire. And I do that a lot in the summer. If I'm not sleeping in a hammock, uh, especially in early fall, that's when I really like to kind of put away the hammock and start using the fire. Uh, I'll set up my tarp. I'll carry a little bit heavier duty of a tarp so it doesn't get too much spark damage. And I set it up like a lean-to or I'll cover over a sapling frame that I make out of a, uh, an arch frame that I make out of saplings. And I'll just cover that with my tarp and peg it down or stake it down or clamp it down. And then I'll just put a fire in front of me and I'll sleep by that fire with a wool blanket. And that's a really fast and simple way to carry very little gear and enjoy yourself out in the woods. And I'll make a bow bed and whatnot. Uh, but... If I did that with a sleeping bag, there's almost a guarantee I'm going to have a bunch of ember holes and spark and melt holes all through that sleeping bag. Guaranteed. Same situation, though, with a wool blanket. I wake up in the morning, I don't even notice if there was ever a melt happen because wool is pretty fire retardant, or at least spark retardant. It's I wouldn't say you'd be able to catch it on fire and survive, but sparks and little tiny embers shooting out of the, out of the fire never bother a wool blanket, really. Uh, at least not no, it's not as noticeable as it would be on a sleeping bag, at least. Sleeping bags are a little less durable on rough terrain. Wool blankets are pretty tough. So the benefit of wool blanket is ruggedness. And it's very, very warm even when soaking, sopping wet. Your down sleeping bag, not so much. Wool, uh, wool blanket, pretty warm. Down sleeping bag, soaking, sopping wet, not going to happen. Uh, so yeah, you got to come down to those decisions for you. The final thing I want to mention before we really go off and uh, end this episode, because we're coming up on 45 minutes now, is pillows. I am a pillow guy. I have always been a pillow guy. And I know folks like Cody Lundin and a lot of other folks are like, ah, just learn to sleep with your arm. I am not that guy. (laughs) If you ever see my bed in my house, that thing has at least four or five pillows on it, on just my side of the bed. I need a lot of breaks. And that's A, because I grew up liking to use pillows and I really like them. B, it's also because of the back and neck injuries I've sustained in the last, you know, 10, 12 years. 
I've, I've done a lot of damage to myself. And I'm a pretty heavy set guy, which means I put a lot more strain on my back than I should. I really am hoping to lose some weight soon. So, to help keep my neck from being in a lot of pain the next morning, I use pillows. When I'm in the woods, that means I have to carry a pillow with me. And honestly, pillows get grimy and grungy when you take them camping with you. Now, there's pack light style pillows that are... They either pack really, really, really small, almost like a sleeping bag can. And the problem with those is there's actually no bulk to them to keep your head in shape. So I don't enjoy them. Uh, the other option is inflatable pillows. And just like the Thermarest pillows or the sleep, uh, the inflatable pa- sleeping pads, uh, they're not so great on, on, on durability. They're not great. And also, I don't like the feeling of sleeping on a balloon. <laughs> My head on those things... I always feel like I'm on a balloon and it feels like I'm just crushing my ear into the thing. No matter how little I uh, inflate it so that it stays kind of soft, it still feels like I'm just smushing my ear. Never feels pleasant. The simplest pillow I've ever used in the woods for when I'm camping in a tent or in a a sleeping pad on the ground, uh, whatever style it is on the ground, ground camping without the use of spruce boughs. With spruce boughs, all I got to do is get a bunch of twigs together that are going to be my kindling for the morning fire and stuff those under the spruce boughs where my head's going to be. And that just elevates it enough and that's perfect. But for tent camping and for sleeping under a tarp with a sleeping pad and a sleeping bag or a wool blanket, I've, I've got a simpler answer. And that is when I take my pants off from the day and I take my, uh, my shirt off from the day, I roll my pants up, belt, knife and all. Knife stays in its sheath, securely in the sheath. I roll it up nice and tight to make a core, uh, the, a core for my pillow. And then I wrap that with my shirt or my sweater or whatever extra jacket or top layer I had with me that day. And I wrap that around it to soften it a bit. And that becomes a nice, firm pillow that I sleep on. And I can tell you right now, from years of goofing around with that and experimenting with that system, that has given me the best results as a pillow. Uh, other than sleeping on my arm, which would just make my arm fall asleep and I'd be numb all the next day and my arm, my shoulder would be killing me. That is the best option I've come across, which doesn't mean I have to carry anything extra with me. I'm already carrying my pants and my shirt cause I'm wearing them. So when I strip down out of all my day clothes, uh, my, my, tr- my, my trousers, whether they're Fjall Ravens or Carhartts or what have you, or pair of jeans, don't recommend wearing jeans in the woods, but what have you. And the shirt that I was wearing throughout the day, I usually wear a long sleeve shirt on top of a t-shirt or a muscle shirt or t- uh, tank top. That that long sleeve shirt, I just wrap around to pad those trousers so it doesn't feel too rough on my head. And that gives me the best results. So, and it's no extra weight. Don't have to worry about it being deflated. Don't have to worry about it being too hard. Don't have to worry about it being too soft. I can thicken it by stuffing it tighter or I can, or I can make it denser by stuffing it and rolling it all tighter, or I can make it softer by just letting it be a little loose. I just want to make sure that when I roll up the knife and other gear that's on my belt stays in the very center and gets wrapped over several times. Cause last thing you want to do is roll over to face the edge of your knife. If you're worried about that, kind of, I use the knife as the center core as a hard rock, hard, hard core to keep everything kind of stable. If you are worried about your knife coming out of its sheath for whatever reason or it cutting through its sheath and cutting you, don't do that. Add a stick, add a piece of kindling from the fire, whatever. But don't don't risk yourself if you don't have to. 
Personally, my knife is nice and secure in its sheath, and I wrap those jeans or those Carhartts or Fjall Ravens or whatever pants I'm wearing that day around it the right way so it's nice and snug in there and it doesn't come popping out in the night. And I've done that for the last, oh, at least eight years now. At least eight years, since I was like 22, 24. I'd say since I was like 24 years old, I've used basically the pants and shirt method for making a pillow. All the other methods are great, but that's the method I find that works for me. Anyways, that's all I got to say. If you want to check out the rest of our podcast episodes, there's plenty to check out. And if you're looking for more to learn, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us under the name Canadian Bushcraft. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Hope to see you next week. Hey there, Dragonfly Nation. I hope you're enjoying this wholesome, sometimes deranged content. We here at Canadian Bushcraft love creating it. We do this podcast along with our live feed videos and several other projects for free to make sure information is shared far and wide to everyone. But if you'd like to help support this project and our other variety of projects, we would be so appreciative. You can find a link to our Patreon account in the information section of this podcast episode. As a patron, you will gain our undying love and admiration. And depending on the tier you choose, you'll also get a few kickbacks in return. These include weekly patron-only articles, monthly one-on-one video sessions with myself or other staff to help you with the skills you're trying to hone at home, and also content such as this podcast one week sooner than the public gets it. You also get to have input on upcoming episodes as well as any future videos we produce. As a small business who wish to remain sponsor-free, we appreciate any and all support from our fans and followers. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a good day.